2: Without further ado, that's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss.
1: i leave
3: it up couldn't make that if you tried that again.
2: Absolutely not.
1: Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore and I'm a senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined by professional better Raheem Palmer and NBA futures analyst. Brandon Anderson. This is the big picture. Each week, we take one game on the Tuesday slate. We get an advanced line, courtesy of our friends over at Points Bet. We break the game down in detail and then we talk about those two teams to get you a sense of where they stand in the futures market, how to make plays on them, and just a general sense of where those two teams are at. This week's marquee matchup the Memphis Grizzlies hosting the Golden State Warriors. Quite the matchup. The Grizzlies eliminated the Warriors in the play-in tournament, knock them out. Grizzlies got one of the early wins against the Warriors, one of the few early season losses the Warriors took. Memphis has kind of been a little bit of a thorn in the side of Golden State. So this game should be a lot of fun to talk about. Should be very interesting. want to remind you that if you are planning on betting absolutely anything in the universe, you've got to get the Action Network app. It is the best way for you to track your bets you can get all sorts of information on where the money's coming in and how the line is moved and what our projections say as well as all of our analysis you can follow raheem and brandon's picks in the app as well check it out the action network app download it on your mobile device right now go do it right now all right points bet gave us this line the grizzlies are one and a half point home dogs so The warriors minus one and a half there's a two in the early market. We're recording this on Monday afternoon, about 5.30 Eastern. That's where the early lines are coming in at. Total, we got from points bet at 217.5. There's a 218.5 in the market. Raheem, let's start with you. Where do you think the edge lies for this matchup?
3: I think it definitely lies on the total. My model makes this game 213. And when you look at these two teams, you have two of the top defensive teams in the league right now to start the year, the Grizzlies couldn't stop anybody. And you look over the last couple of weeks, they're allowing just 107 points per one to possessions. Golden State Warriors, they're allowing just 102 points per one to possessions in their non-garbage time minutes. That's first in the NBA this season. And then, more importantly, this Warriors offense is really, really struggling. They haven't cracked 100 in the last three games. Over the last three games, they're just scoring 95 points per one to possessions. I know they're trying to bring Clay back into the lineup, but even their game against the Cavs, Clay Thompson, he he put up his numbers. He was 7 of 18, 17 points, but this offense really didn't score that well. So I think the value lies on the under here.
1: I'm with you. I got a stat for you that uh, will kind of put this into context. So one of the things that I looked at as I started kind of prepping for this one is the Warriors switch a lot? Like they are a heavy switch team. And I want to look at what teams do well and what teams struggle versus the switch. And guess what? The Memphis Grizzlies have the sixth lowest points per possession mark versus switching defenses this season. That is the only thing that has really slowed them down. And it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. So Jaw shooting well from three, but he wants to get to the rim. That's what he wants to do. He wants to attack the rim. And they want to shoot a lot of floaters, right? That's easy to do when you're facing a drop defense. But if you're switching everything, guys are with you and contesting you the entire way. Uh, so I think that there is definitely an edge towards the Warriors defense in on that side of the ball. On the other one, like, you know, quite honestly, the Warriors just, have been, just haven't been very good. They're 28 in the last two weeks offensively for cleaning the glass. That's shocking to me, Brandon, that the Warriors could struggle that much offensively. What do you think has been some of the causes of Golden State's offensive struggles as of late?
2: I mean, Steph Curry. Steph Curry is the cause. Just Steph Curry's st- struggles, I should say, not to pin it all on Steph. But if you look, since, since Christmas, Steph Curry is averaging 20.4 points per game. We know that that's low for him. 33% field goal, 38% on twos. And that's, been a, that's not new. That's a problem all season. He's only 48% twos on the season. That's down from 56% the last three years. Career low at the rim, career low getting to the rim. So, you know, that shouldn't be shocking. Steph is getting a little bit older. We knew that that was probably going to be part of what was coming here. Um, this recent stretch since Christmas for Steph, 48% through shooting. Uh, box plus minus at, at uh, basketball referenced. Normally Steph is at like a 6'7". That's an MVP caliber player. At his peak, he gets to a 10 or 12 range. He's minus 1.0 BPM in this last five games. It's only a few games, but the shots aren't falling. And Steph is it. Steph is the offense. He's what makes this go. Like all the other pieces, Otto and Wiggins and Poole, they're complementary. They're doing the things around Steph. Steph is that important. And it's, in a way, whenever you have an MVP candidate, truly the MVP, it almost can be an indictment of the team also, because if that player is truly that important, and I think we're seeing with Steph, maybe he is, that when the struggles are there, that it can really go the other way too. And I just think that's what's happening with the Warriors is Steph isn't performing right now.
1: There's a crazy number for you, okay? Per NBA.com. With Steph Curry on the floor, the Warriors have a 114 offensive rating. When he's off the floor, it's at 99 That is a 15 point differential. I brought
3: this up to you, Matt, a couple of weeks ago, and you shot me down. I said I didn't feel like the Warriors had enough offensively. I know the defense is good, but
1: I'm really concerned about this offense. Here's my my counter on -hmm. that because it's a a fair point. Steph's Encore is 114, right? Yeah. Obviously, in the playoffs, they're not yeah. going to be playing all these extended. That's playoffs. the thing, right? You've only got to survive about five minutes without Steph in the playoffs. You know, they try and they play right. him less, maybe about 10, right?
3: My counter to that is I think we're seeing the reason why they had to bring Kevin Durant in. And I know I'm a Steph better guy, but it becomes a thing where do we really trust Andrew Wiggins? Do you really trust who? Do you really trust Idle Porter, all of these guys to really make plays in a playoff setting, and I'm honestly concerned.
2: I don't know that I'm concerned about it. This stretch since Christmas, all those Steph stats I listed off. Offensive rating with Steph on the court during this stretch, 92. So yeah, if the offense is going to put up a 92 per 100 possessions with Steph, they're going to not they're going to not do well. You know, like they're three and three in those games. One of those games they basically threw away. They rested everyone, so they're effectively three and two. That's not so bad if you're three and two when your offensive genius is is playing genuinely bad basketball. negative 1.0 BPM is like a replacement level player. If Steph is doing that and you're still winning three out of the five, I don't know that I can say I'm worried about that. That's just maybe a cold stretch and
1: he's going to bounce back. Well, there's two things here. One, they're still eleventh in adjusted offensive rating despite Steph shooting like this. Like that to me yeah. is is very telling, right? Is like. <laughs> There's still 11. The other thing is last night versus the Cavs, Steph went for 28 on 10 of 21 shooting. Only was four of 11 from three, but still, you know, four of 11, 36% is better than what he was shooting for a while there. I think he may have turned the corner. I think Clay's going to help him. That Cavs defense is pretty good. Um, this is one of the reasons why I made Steph Curry part of the MVP uh, combo that I put in for NBA Futures Friday over NBA.com/slash NBA Bet was like, this is a buy low spot for Steph. I know he's the favorite. This is still a buy-low spot because he's going to get better uh, back to the Grizzlies game in particular. One thing to note here, the Grizzlies play the fifth most drop defense in the league. The Warriors are the fourth best team per possession against drop defense. So I will say that if there's a side of this, that I actually think is going to get you to the under, I actually think it's going to be the other way. I think it's gonna be golden state slowing down. What's been a red hot Memphis team offensively. And the question is like, do you want to fade this Memphis team in offense? uh raheem have you got your projections up yes i do i actually have the warriors
3: as as 2.9 favorite okay so i think i mean like when you look at the number this line is short but if you're weighing what these teams are recently i think that's where you get to the number where the bookmakers are putting it out as memphis plus one and a half
1: two so my matchup data on this which factors in how much one team plays in half court and transition, and then how those two teams operate in those two fields to create advantages. And then it, it works out from there does have Memphis as a favorite with home court. That's where it comes out as I've got Grizzlies um, minus 1.7. After that, my power rating, which is how do you perform versus a neutral opponent, like a, an average opponent and what's the differential there has this at war. Here's minus seven, which tells you a lot Ooh. about, how both these teams have kind of matched up. If that Mm -hmm. differential is confusing, the reason is basically that Memphis matches up very well against the Warriors subpar half court offense. And so the matchup goes there, but overall the overall team strength indicates that the Warriors are heavy favorites here. I think if we look at no Dylan Brooks and Adams,
2: because he is in COVID protocol as
1: I believe is Taylor Jenkins, the coach. Yeah. Yeah. Both those things are true. Adams was put in on January 7th, so he's not going to be out by then. So, no Adams in this game as well, which I don't know if that's bad or good because that puts Jaron at at starting at the 5.
3: And then is Draymond Green going to play? Because he had some calf um, issues, and he came in, created a foul, and then left. So, we don't know if he's playing yet.
1: It seems like that was like he was sore. I'm not sure that that's expected to keep him out, but that's definitely one to watch. Um, Let's go through the scenarios, though. If Draymond plays... Does that does that change where you're at on this game in terms of value on Golden State on the spread?
2: Draymond and Steph are the Warriors. If Draymond is not out there, I want no part backing the Warriors in this one. Like the line would have to move a bunch, and even then, Draymond out and Steph ice cold right now can always bounce back. But if we got ice cold Steph and no Draymond, I, I'm definitely not betting the Warriors at that point.
1: I think if Draymond plays though, I do want. I think I'll say this is what I think I'm going to do. I'm going to play the Grizzlies team total under based off of if Draymond plays, if Draymond doesn't play, I'm probably taking Memphis. That's good. That's like the, the tree for me.
2: So I'm assuming that Draymond plays those other, the Grizzlies names are the two keys for me. I surprised myself as I was prepping for this game. I was all set to take the Grizzlies and I'm like, I'm the back, the warriors all the way. I think even of the three of us, I'm the one that's probably been the strongest on the warriors futures as far as just like, they're a clear favorite in the West. They're ice cold right now. And it just, it felt looking at first glance, like, okay, the Grizzlies are the really good team right now. Memphis is 18 and four in their last 22 games. John Morant, we talked about BPM earlier. John Morant is 8.1 BPM during that. that that's not like a most improved or possible all NBA player. That's genuinely an MVP contender sort of player. And the Warriors haven't been that. The Warriors have been... You know, we're we're giving them a little bit too much name value. So I was ready to take the Grizzlies, but Brooks and Adams, I think, are are both big misses. The Grizzlies are number one offensive rebounding, and that's a big part of Adams boxing out and getting those. Obviously, that's a big size advantage. So him not being there, that's an edge that they lose. And the Warriors are number one defensive rebounding anyway. The other thing is that you think back to the playing game especially. I remember Dylan Brooks just smothering Steph, making his life absolutely miserable all night. And Brooks getting into foul trouble, missing some time, and then Steph suddenly looking really good when Brooks was out. So if I'm Steph Curry and I'm ice cold right now, I'm feeling way better that Dylan Brooks is not playing in this one because you know they've got other defenders. Anthony Melton probably starts here. Melton's a very good defender, but he's not Dylan Brooks. And I think too. The third thing, the cascading effect no Brooks, no Adams. Memphis's bench has been really good again now, but you take those two guys out and you have to kind of filter everything up into the lineup. And now you bring Clay back for the Warriors and strengthen their bench the other way. I think that there's a bench advantage there too. So for me, I actually ended up flipping on what I thought. I think this is a buy low, sell high spot. The Grizzlies are red hot. The Warriors are low. I think it's a spot to beat the Warriors.
1: Well, as you were talking, I looked over at Fantasy Labs NBA, which you follow on Twitter, and guess what? Draymond Green is out for this game. So,
0: <laughs>
1: so I would assume, Brandon, you do not want to hit any part of the Warriors without Draymond Green.
2: Yeah, I mean that's what I literally just said. So I guess I will stick with that, and <laughs> not change two minutes later. <laughs> yeah, and this is why
1: Brandon, and this is why Brandon hates re- hates recording <laughs>
3: game analysis
1: a full day ahead. Um, Raymond, I want to ask you this before we we get to our big picture talk topic. How much is Draymond worth in the spread to you?
3: Um, I mean, I think it depends game by game. Obviously, I think when you look at this upcoming road trip, they got the Bucks. I think Draymond might be worth two or three points in that matchup. Whereas in
1: this matchup, I'm not sure as he's worth as much. But I mean, I'm gonna tell you right now, I would put him up there as one of the most impactful guys to the spread. Like this is not about like how good he is. Like this is. What no, really I agree can- with you. I, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. Like. I feel like people will 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 listen to that and be like, but it's Draymond Green. Like he can't shoot. You know, it's like yeah. it's gonna be if it's because I would put it like four ish, which is a yeah. lot. But for me, even if you go back last year when stuff was on the floor and Draymond was not, the Warriors were not all that good. They've been better this year because they have a deeper, better roster. But. A lot of what happens with Steph, the other guys don't know all of Curry's ins and outs. They don't know how to make all those reads. Yeah. Like they just haven't like Otto Porter hasn't been there. Jordan Poole hasn't been there. Like Bielitza hasn't been there. Andrew Wiggins, quite honestly, hasn't been there that long. So they don't know how to find him. And nobody can really fill that role on both ends of the floor. So without Draymond, I do think this moves. And I think I'm going to be on Memphis because I wouldn't expect this line to move we'll see what the line does, but I wouldn't expect it to move more than a point and a half. And I think that undervalues Draymond's edge to the spread. But I think if you go back to
3: 2016, yep. you saw that Steph Curry and Draymond Green were number two in plus minus. And as much as people want like to say the Splash Brothers, but Draymond Green has always been their second best player. And yep. he's basically their de facto point guard because he allows Steph Curry to play off ball because if he's going to get the rebound, he's going to push the pace. Like the Warriors didn't become, like I told this story on, I think we did a a video for the DraftKings Pro Football Millionaire Contest where we actually had our Sports Betting Hall of Fame. And Haral was the first person to say this. And he said the Warriors were a David Lee injury away from being a championship contender. And that's exactly what happened because Draymond stepped in. He could space the four as a three-point shooter. He can allowed him to play small ball and play defense. And then he could play as a point guard. So he is like their second most
2: important player. So he, I agree with you. He definitely is worth something significant to the point spread. So I'm going to take a step further. I don't think Draymond is the second most important player. I think Draymond is the most important player to the Warriors. And I've said that and written that since the 2016 season, he's not the best player. We know that Steph is a better player, but to the Warriors, to their identity, to who they are on both ends of the court, Draymond, they don't have a way to replace him. Even now, the way that, that Jordan Poole has come along and now they've got Clayback, they have other ways to approximate some value of what Steph can do. There's no other Draymond. I, I will say I like what Otto Porter is, is doing as the small ball center, it, especially offensively in his passing. They're starting to use him a little bit in those ways, but it's not Draymond, and it's not going to be the same defensive impact. Uh, to cross sports here, Raheem, you and I have talked Titans and Derrick Henry and how much it mattered to lose not just the player, but the identity. This is a Derrick Henry sort of thing, where if Draymond is out, that's the identity. That's that's the strength of mindset. That's the defensive mindset. So let me ask to you guys, you both like the total here, the under. How much is Draymond Green being out worth to the total? Because with him out, that changes entirely what this game looks like, especially on the defensive end. Yesterday, I actually had the under on the Cavs game.
3: I think I took it at 218 or so, and it actually moved down to 215. And when Draymond was announced, then this line moved back to 217. It still went way under. I think what Matt said about the switching is going to impact Memphis's offense. But when you another thing to look at is the fact that Memphis is the third best team in transition. They're getting about 3.8 points per one in possessions in transition. They're third. Golden State, even without Draymond Green. They're still getting back in transition. They're fifth in transition defense. So I think that's the thing that they can slow down. Also, Matt mentioned the switching. So I still like the under in this matchup. Obviously, Golden State's offense has been struggling. And I still think Memphis has been a solid defensive team, even without Dylan
1: Brooks. So I'm still leaning under here. 101.5 defensive rating without Draymond on the floor. So they've been good no matter who's been on the court. Um, yeah, I think probably the under is still going to be the play. I like. I Memphis and the under.
2: I think that the angle that I will take on this game is that I'm going to wait the line to move a little bit, but I think I'm on the Grizzlies then because I think the public money is going to say, Hey, Draymond is out, but clay is back. They got clay back. He's been their second best player. And I think people are going to be willing to bet on clay being back, moving the needle. And we're saying it's the other way that like, at least for me, Draymond is far more important than clay Clay's only his first game back. So, I think that the money still comes in a little bit on the Warriors because people want to bet on Clay right now, push the line a little, the other way. And then that's when you buy on the Grizzlies with Draymond out. I think that's the bigger difference, the names there. We got it backwards in perception.
1: That's a great point. Let's talk a little bit of the big picture here. So, we talked a lot about the Warriors. I want to talk about the Grizzlies for a second here because this actually really kind of shocked me is where they've kind of climbed. Duncan3s.com, we've mentioned on this podcast before, it's been my go to because it adjusts for schedule. And that really, I really care about that. The idea that the NBA schedule is completely balanced is a lie. Uh, if you look at wh- where their adjusted ratings are, Memphis is fourth in offense and 12th in defense. Compare that with like Miami, who's fifth in offense, eighth in defense. Like, Miami is, Memphis has climbed so much to get up there. Like, the Jazz, the number one offensive team, they're ninth in defense. Memphis profiles not just, uh, Brandon mentioned this. Memphis doesn't profile as like a good team. Like, oh, that's cute. That's nice. They profile as like, no, no, this is a team that can actually wreck you. Like, this is a team that can make some noise in the Western Conference. It's taken me a while to get there. The outlier for me in terms of like their sustainability is actually a strength for them in the playoffs, which is they're 16 and nine now versus teams over 500, guys. That's the most wins in the league versus teams over 500. They just win these games. They just keep coming and beating really good teams away, home, whatever. Like they've just been dynamite. The other thing I, I I think that's altering me a little bit, they have so many weapons. Like they don't have like, it's not just Ja and a bunch of dudes. It's Ja and Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson and Dylan Brooks can go off. And Kyle Anderson gives you good points. And the Anthony Melton is solid. And they have shooters. Like, They just have a lot of weapons that they can hit you with, and they have different ways to adjust and match up with you. Now, I worry about them defensively being able to get stops in a key situation, but they play with such chaotic energy, and Ja is so spectacular. Brandon, I'm genuinely wondering, I don't think I can get there to take them on a Western Conference future, but if we can get a book to drop a make the Western Conference finals, that's the kind of bet that I would be looking to make right now on this Grizzlies team.
2: Yeah, I I was thinking through the exact same thing. I knew we'd begin the futures, and what's the angle here? We've talked all the Warriors' futures. We've covered all that. What's the angle for the Grizzlies? And I I have a very hard time talking myself into the Grizzlies making it to the finals because now the Grizzlies have to, in all likelihood, take out two of Dunn's Warriors' Jazz. And that's just a little bit too much for me. Like, it's not impossible, but I'm not willing to bet on it. But I know some of the standings, though, the Grizzlies have been so strong. They're tied in the wins column with the Jazz right now, and we've talked all year about how the Jazz are this regular season juggernaut that a lot of their metrics are on par with the Warriors. And basically, the Grizzlies just played two more games and lost them, so that matters. But they're they're right there. It for a while, the Grizzlies were rising up above the fray to be a clear four, you know, uh, in the four by themselves. Now they're rising further. Now they're about to close the gap to where. They're at 3 4 with the Jazz, and that's a significant leap from where we talked about them earlier at a Western Conference Finals. Now I, I like that. Now we can get one of those matchups. You know, right now, as a four seed, you're looking at they've got to beat either the Suns or the Warriors in the second round. Then they probably have to beat, you know, the Mavs or who knows what's going to be in the first round and then get in the second round. It's a tough playoff team. This is one of those teams that is always going to go six games on you, you know, like you're never going to have an easy night playing the playoffs against the Grizzlies. Cause there's going to have dogs that just, like you said, they have all these guys. If it were the playoffs right now, and we're talking series, I think we all would be interested in betting on Grizzlies as an underdog in a series there. I just don't know if we have a way to bet the future right now where we have to bet multiple of those series stacked on each other.
1: Yeah. And we could get to the playoffs and feel entirely differently about where they're at or the matchups and everything yeah. else. Like Raheem, here's a question for you. So. Let's say they wind up in a matchup versus the Jazz. Okay, it's possible on based on a number of of outcomes that that could happen. The Jazz beat them four one last year. Memphis takes the first game and then they lose four straight. And then, and Utah really once they settle down like outclass them. Do we think that the, that Memphis has made such a leap year over year that they can overcome that wide of a gap between what those two teams looked like in a postseason environment last year? Jared Jackson missed almost half the year last year. Yeah, he
3: was coming back. He was coming back from an injury. Bain is like a a real thing this year. Like, to me, it's just... I mean, look, last year they were... What? Their SRS was 1.07, 15th among 30 teams. This year, their SRS is is around 4. 4.13, fifth of 30 teams. So, to me, this is just a completely different team. They found something defensively that they just didn't have earlier on in the year. To me, I can't count this team up. Like, I, I just... And maybe, like, I'm overreacting to a, a regular season sample, but I think this is at least a, a six, seven-game series, in my opinion.
2: Well, gotta, and let's let's not miss the obvious point, too. Like, we haven't said it, but John Morant took a massive leap this year. Oh, yeah, like, without we, a doubt. we talked about this coming into the year, that the perception of John Morant was high, but that he hadn't really quite hit that, you know, consistently. But he's gone from a player who could have an all-star game occasionally some nights who had the flash of an all-star, he's not just an all-star now. Right now, the way he's playing right now, he is genuinely a make-the-ballot MVP contender if they keep doing this the rest of the season. Like, that's how good Jaw has been. And if you have that player, like, look, in this game against the Warriors, it's entirely possible that Ja is the best player on the court. He's better right now in these last couple of weeks by a long ways than what Steph has been doing. And so, if you have possibly the best player in the court, look at the Jazz, look at the Suns. Jaw could be the best player on the court in a game or in that matchup. And if you have the best player in the court, you always have a shot. Second best backcourt in the league, Ty Morant and Desmond Bain.
3: Woo! Like, right. wow. Look who's around. I mean, you got Chris Paul, you got Devin Booker. Give me them over Damon CJ all day. I mean, it's Steph. And I mean, Clay hasn't played basketball in two years, so it's like we're talking about the past versus the present. Like I can't even put Steph and Clay on that category right now because they, they they just haven't played together.
1: Are we treating Demar as a small forward because the Bulls have got to have a have a stake in this too with how they played this year? Yeah, I'm treating him like a small yeah, forward. I, but the fact that we're even in this line? conversation though proves your point. Like that's how good yeah. Desmond Bain has been. Like Desmond Bain is yeah. a legit MIP candidate. Brandon, as a futures analyst, I got to ask you this: <laughs> If Ja gets on the MVP ballot. I don't know if the voters are willing to go, I'm going to vote for Jaw for most improved and I'm going to put him third for MVP or fourth. I don't know if they'll do that. Like, this is something I'm starting to get to. Is like, if Ja gets so high that he winds up on the MVP ballot, I don't know if they'll include him on MI, if they'll give him MIP, which would give us value on most improved. Yeah, I think that that's a fair point,
2: except that I think that we're shooting a, you two a few spots too high on MVP ballot like I think that Morant you know we've talked about MVP a lot we've got those three or four guys depending on what happens with Jokic that that's the top tier and there's a big gap you know a week ago two weeks ago DeMar DeRozan was the maybe the number five guy and two weeks from now it'll be someone else that's the number five guy right now maybe it's jaw but I don't know that he stays as that number five and I don't know that he Pushing from number five to a third on the ballot is a big change this year with the way that the race is shaped up. So I think a voter would be more than willing to give him their vote for most improved award and then also slip him on to the back of their ballot at number five for MVP. I don't see him. If this keeps going, maybe he can be like a third or fourth, but I think that that's a further down the road conversation. So I still think that there's value on most improved. Because Ja is, is essentially a coin flip or a slight favorite at most books. And I just think he's a runaway winner at this point. So I think there's still value there.
1: And Julius Randall got got MVP, like scant MVP boats as that's well. That's a good point. And it he won yeah. last year, so that's actually a good point. Okay. You can get Ja. I, I saw Ja even this morning at minus 125. I gave him out weeks ago on Futures Friday. Another one of the bets that has gained a lot of, a lot of value um, uh, over the course of the coming weeks. Let's touch on Golden State quickly, because I want to give Raheem an opportunity to once again uh, shit on the Golden State Warriors and their title chances uh, for the team with the second best record in the NBA and the presumptive MVP favorite. All right. Look, Raheem, I I guess I guess here's my here's my big question is I think they I think they beat Utah. I don't think Utah can beat them. They definitely beat Utah. OK, without a doubt. Um, Memphis is an interesting one. I want to see how this game goes, because we're starting to, to pick up a little bit of a trend of. What if the Grizzlies are just, by some weird twist, a bad matchup for Golden State? I want to see how this game goes. Phoenix, I think, is a tough one um, for Golden State. That's probably the, like, that, that's the toughest matchup. But Golden State's now won two of three. Booker didn't play in the second one, but they did win that game on Christmas, which was a pretty impressive win. They got one more, one more to play. I'm not necessa- I'm not scared of Denver with how banged up they are. I'm not worried about Dallas for a number of reasons. There's nobody really, I mean, the Lakers, maybe just because of LeBron and the size and the physicality, but the Lakers' defense has not been good enough this year. Like, what's the team you think is in Western Conference futures specifically? What's the team that you think that stands in the way of Golden State, even with their offensive issues?
3: I think that's that's the that's the biggest issue that I'm coming up with. Like I'm looking at Golden State's flaws and I'm saying, look, when when it gets to the playoffs and you're allowed to push and pull Steph Curry and you're allowed to, and and teams are trapping him and game planning him. Who are the guys that are going to beat them? And I just, that's what I'm concerned with. But then I'll look at the rest of the landscape and it's like you said, I don't see, Utah's not going to beat them. It's really Phoenix, Memphis. And if the Lakers can figure out something with all the size and physicality that they have and Anthony Davis comes back, that's really what it is. So it's just like, it's just those three teams. We know Dallas isn't going to beat them. Denver is just too banged up. Minnesota, no. Minnesota's not beating them. No. Like the, the Clippers, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's not going to come back this year. I, I, I don't care what they say.
1: I don't believe it. Okay, that one worries me, though. I'll say that. If, if Kawhi comes back and the Clippers are like, all right, you want to switch everything? Let's switch everything. And we've got Kawhi. We've got Kawhi. We've got Reggie Jackson. We've got Eric Bledsoe. And we're just gonna take turns bodying Steph yeah. and stand on his hip the whole time. Like that one's that one's interesting to me. But we are gonna have to get there and see it. Um, yeah. I still think there's value on the on the Warriors Western Conference right now. But to me, like yeah. Brandon, I do think it's kind of a t- I I think I still we said this. I think the West is a two team race with Golden State and Phoenix. On, but the only problem is I don't know if I don't I don't know how to parse if there's value right now. Like I don't know if there's EV on either of those teams with where the numbers are at, you're still getting the plus numbers because the books aren't like, no, 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 these, these two teams are going to win it. I don't have a team I can I can go the other way on, but I don't know if I'm getting the best EV on, on the Warriors and and Suns or if it's gone yet. Is it just as simple as if we're getting a plus number, there's value?
2: Just so I'm on the record, it's a three-team race. I'm still counting the Jazz in. That's a conversation for another day. Oh, that's, but nice. Totally that's, nice. Yeah. that's nice. That's nice.
1: That's
2: cute story. So here's the case <laughs> for the Warriors. Here's the case for the Warriors having value. We we just talked about how this is their low point of the season. So far, this is the low point. They've lost three of their last six for the Warriors. That's that's a rough stretch. Steph is having his coldest stretch of the season. Clay is back. We don't know exactly what he's gonna look like yet. I've never really been so worried about Clay. The dude is a warrior. He works, I mean, technically he is a warrior also, but he he works so hard and his style of game, like put it this way. Three weeks from now, paint the picture. Clay is back. Clay has a night where he made 10 threes and, the, and you know, Warriors, they melt down at home. The crowd goes crazy. The Warriors have ripped off five or six wins in a row again. You lost the chance to buy on the Warriors. Right now, if you believe in the Warriors, might be about the best price you're going to get the rest of the season while they're cold, while we don't know for sure yet if Clay is going to be Clay again. And I think, if you like the warriors or if you just don't like the rest of the west enough to not like the warriors which might be the case here this might be the best price you're going to see on the warriors again until you get to the playoffs and and maybe not even then i agree with brandon on this because i think at plus 220
1: yeah
3: you have to when you look at the landscape and when you when you get into the playoffs they're going to be favorites in every single series like period like there's not a, there's not a series in which they're not going to be a, a favorite and so even if you get to the Western Conference Finals and you're sitting on a plus two twenty ticket, you're in a position to hedge. If so, I do like the plus two twenty on the Warriors to win the Western Conference. I see value with the
1: Suns, but I just think they're going to be a wait. dog in that series as well. Well, I would say let's wait for what Brand is talking about, right? Like bet Warriors now at two twenty. Wait for the Warriors to get Clay back, Steph starts rolling, they go on a big run the warriors move to um, a sub 200 maybe even like i could see them being even to win the west as a consequence of that phoenix has to drop has like to they go. they have yeah. to move phoenix back and are, they're already at 325 if i get phoenix at 350 or better it's hammer time like yeah. i'm going because <laughs> right now i have phoenix i have phoenix power rated number 1 that's where they've moved to because they've been more consistent so Um, I think that's probably the play that's going to wrap it up for the big picture. Thanks for joining us on buckets. Make sure to download the action network app. Check out all the great podcasts that we've got going on. The favorites, you got the action network podcast, Brandon Raheem on Mondays and Fridays, Stucky and Raybon on Thursdays, breaking down wild car weekend. We'll be back tomorrow. Reminder, seven o'clock Eastern Tuesday night. That is when we do the Wednesday workshop. We will have the lines. Raheem and I will break them down, give you best bets. We're going to be doing a lot more best bets on this podcast feed. Looking forward to doing that with you guys. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. Let's get buckets.